Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hello, everyone. My name is Lisa Amlani, and I am the principal and co-founder of Retail Strategy Group and The Merchant Life. Many of you know me from my days at Ralph Lauren, Salonico. I've been in the industry for about 22 years and then, of course, moved into this wonderful world of consulting and helping brands and retailers elevate performance and innovate how they go to market. Today, I'm sitting down in the Rethink Retail booth with Barry and we'd love to start talking right away about product innovation, which is my Thanks. favorite subject. But before we get into that, Barry, tell us a little bit about your career, some highlights. What do you want to share with the audience today? Thanks. It's <laughs> good to be here, here at The Lead. Really nice to have the opportunity to talk to everybody. I have accidentally got into, let's say accidentally got into innovation uh, because I am a product person. Started off in footwear and went into making tents, sleeping bags, backpacks. Wow goggles for Speedo, ran footwear for the North Face. But I realized that in order for brands to stay ahead, they had to get their competitive edges. So we had to do advanced concepts and start to think about the future. From there, when I was at PDH, they said, we like what you're doing. So we would like you to run the innovation division at PDH. So I had the opportunity to set up an innovation division inside an $11 billion company. The one thing I think is really interesting is that they made the mistake a lot of people do, which is to say, you're an innovative person, so you should be an innovator. So it was terrible at first. <laughs> so what I had to realize is that innovation is a business and a process. I think people's misconception is innovation is a bunch of smart people telling you exactly how to run your business. So no one wants to feel that they're not smart and no one wants to be told what to do. So it's a disaster until you start to realize that innovation is actually an extension and connection to the core business. And when you're solving the problems of the core business, then you're contributing to whatever those problems are. So my philosophy on innovation has, has moved into a lot of process thinking, and I know that's, what, that's a, yeah. a, a passion area for you, is the process and rigor that it takes to what I call get an idea through Congress, oh, yeah. right? So get everybody to agree that, that that idea is right. How do you do it? What are the KPIs? What are the measurables and manageables to be able to impact the business in positive ways? And whatever that impact is. So I'm going to throw out a question that we didn't talk about. Okay. You've worked across many different categories. Yes. And going to market for apparel is very different than going to market for footwear versus equipment and accessories. Yeah. How has that shift in categories allowed you to learn and innovate from other categories you've worked in to get faster to market, but also stay on top of innovation? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I, I believe that the, I, the whole process of innovation is really around about agnosticism. So I've been fortunate enough. Look, when I was at the North Face and they said they want you to do backpacks, I said, no. I just said, I'm a shoe guy. All I do is shoes. I said, no, 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 you're, you're doing this. So I have learned about how to be product agnostic moving into even wearable devices, consumer electronics. I spent a year at Google working on stuff for ExxonMobil. And I realized that if we're really gonna be innovative, we need to think about 
the technology that is, that's happening in adjacent industries that can affect us that we can, that we can also draft off of. So a few minutes ago, I talked about the metaverse. So we were, the idea around the metaverse in our industry is that it's a, it's a hill of beans. It's a all, all sizzle, no steak. It doesn't right. mean anything to us because we can't sell more hats and t-shirts and shoes on the metaverse. Here's the deal. The end consumer is already in the metaverse. If your end consumer is engaging in the medical metaverse, if your end consumer is in the industrial metaverse with a heads-up display in an Amazon warehouse packaged location and finding, yeah. or putting together a Rolls-Royce in engine in the, met in the industrial metaverse, they're already there. You just don't know they're there. So innovation is the unlock. Innovation is the unlock to adjacent industries, getting ourselves out of our bubble and understanding that consumer can consume anything they want to. Yes, they can. We think they're just going to consume our hats and t-shirts. No, they can consume anything and they consume everything. So getting to the view of the consumer that allows us to meet them where they really do live in other industries and adjacent industries is vital. So I have so many things to say. As you know, I talk about this a lot. What I love to talk about is digital transformation. And, you know, we talked about this briefly, where I believe digital transformation is the simplification of process steps mm -hmm. so that we could actually have time and space to innovate. What has your experience been in digital transformation and how important do you think it is today? The very first project that I worked on at PVH was a consumer-driven problem, and it was around bras in Kohl's. So they, the problem was there were no shop associates on the floor that could talk about something as technical as a bra or maybe even no shop assistants at all, right? No one was there to help. So what we did is we did a QR code activation of a 3D video that explained all the technology on this one, one bra. It got incredible metrics. It got A-B tested and adopted by, by, by PVH and by Kohl's and it was really, really successful in, in business uplift. So that solution was connect was a problem connected to the core business but for me it was an aha moment because when i started at pvh i thought i was going to be working on recycled cotton which we did yeah. all the problems that the brands are coming at, at us are on, are on digital and digital experience so why because typically in our in our world it departments are worried about making sure that the ceo didn't forget their password right right or that you can run a report a shipping report when it comes to the consumer experience, IT departments are really overloaded with security and everything. So brands want to know, how do we interact with our consumers? Apps, loyalty, virtual try-on, and, and, and doing all the things which you are talking about, which is easing the customer journey through and making sure that that connect to consumer thing happens. They come to the innovation divisions. And so we became very, very digital, very, very quickly. Virtual showrooms during COVID because there couldn't be sales meetings. Building showrooms in Unity, digitalization of assets, the use of those assets along the value chain, um, porting those five thousands of assets to Amazon so that they can do virtual try-on. It's all becomes really, really important. So when we're in the middle of this, I spoke to a CEO once and he said, wait a minute, why are you working on innovation? Because I have an IT department. And we said, because... We have to realize that nothing isn't digital now. And I had to say it twice. I said, nothing isn't digital now. And he said, oh, okay. Yeah, keep doing that. So it's not, it's very, very non-obvious because yeah. we do think of this idea, this linear thing of you're going to put a thing on a purse and I'm going to sell more purses. That's not how it works. 
So, so, and I, I do believe what you said is true. When we start to use the tools that are the emerging tools, and especially that are being driven by AI, things go faster. So one of the technologies I talked about today was neural radiance fields. I'm geeked out on it. It's called NERF. Wow. Okay. So neural radiance fields are, is, has the ability to take three still images and uses AI to stitch together in the next logical se sequence what that next pixel should be to wow. create a perfect 3D object. Super cool. Three years ago, the digitalization of assets was about $3,000 for one item in a green room with, with photogrammetry and a lot of post-production. Oh, yes. I've been there. Nerf is an app, so it's free on your phone. So what does that wow. mean? That means that when you have the, the free ability to digitalize assets, you're democratizing that technology. Yeah. Because if anyone can use it for free, everyone will use it. Yeah. And when everyone uses it, it becomes ubiquitous technology. So that speaks to the speed that you're talking about. So technology is speeding the advance of the adoption of solutions, which seemed super exotic three years ago. And they're absolutely table stakes now. I mean, I could go anywhere with that right now. We could talk about digital product creation a little bit. I know you've worked in new material development, innovative yeah. material development. How important is new material development and innovation in that space in setting brands apart today? In our world, look, our design community lives in an analog world. They're very good at what they do, and it's really hard to teach someone who is really good in Illustrator to go into Rhino or AutoCAD. It's not, it's not interesting. It's, it's a heavy, heavy lift. So the ability to design in 3D has been the obstacle for having 3D assets that can be used along the value chain because most people think of things in a linear fashion. Yes, they do. I design in 3D. Then I go to production with a 3D model, which is anatomically correct. So I have tight bombs. And then that's going to speed up my, my digital, my, my, my review process. Yeah. So I can tighten up my timeline. And then I can use it for B2B, D2C, and all that other stuff. So the problem is we can't think linearly. If we're not going to be able to train an entire generation of people that are comfortable in more analog or 2D design, then the, the ability to use something like Nerf to yeah. capture that image once it's done and then digitalize it, it goes forward and back along the value yeah. chain where people are starting to learn more and more the use of it. The, te the tech tool set is getting really good. Like, like I really like SETI. SETI's in Madrid and they're doing, you probably know them, yeah. and they're doing really beautiful digital draping yeah. of, of material so the designers believe in it. And this is what I talked about earlier about the Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley is this, is this philosophy that if you see something and, you, and you, it, it's not believable enough, you'll dismiss it as being not credible, right? Right. But when digital design becomes so credible and so real, like what SETI's doing and what like, like London College of Fashion is doing and what they're doing with, um, with things like Swatchbook and Mix, they're really, yeah. really great at what they're doing. They make it easier for the designer to cross the uncanny yeah. valley and to speed adoption because the need for that asset at the other end, the consumer end of the, of the value chain is 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 pressing every single day because yeah. the consumer expects it. They want to do all this minority report yeah. stuff. They we're do. not letting them. No, we're not. I talk about this with market leaders a lot, especially even this week, that people tend to hold a lot of that digital transformation back. Yes. And we want to get faster to market. We want to get closer to the customer. We want to leverage the voice of the consumer as we are building new products. But the challenge that 
a lot of brands have today is they don't know where to start. Yeah. And if they don't know where to start, they're never going to start. Yeah. What advice do you have for those brands? So in that same analogy of that linear thinking, yeah. we, 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 we treat this math problem in the most difficult way because we say, we, like an Excel spreadsheet, you start in square A1 and you work your way down to like Z1000, you know, A1000. It's not how it works. So take, take a nonlinear approach. That's the first thing I would say. Do the easiest things you can and then learn from them. I know test and learn, that's, that's a little bit rote. But one thing I'm finding is digitalizing a 3D asset was a gateway drug for Wolverine. Yeah. Because once they had that asset, they didn't have to worry about creating it in the most difficult way possible. Yes. They just took a picture of it. Right now, you can do really good photogrammetry for 200 bucks. For instance, you're going down this digitalization journey. Because we were, we were forced by need to develop a virtual showroom in Unity, we had 5,000 assets that were sitting in a hosted environment. So if you own these assets, then you think, oh, well, what else can I do with them? Oh, I can give them to public lands. I can give them to Dick's Sporting Goods the way Nike does. I yeah. can give them to my international distributor, El Corte Inglés. I can give them to Amazon so they can do virtual try. And all of a sudden, you are speeding down the, down the road of digitalization because you tried something. So there's a woman I really like. Her name is Rita McGrath. And she talks about design-driven planning. And she says the same yeah. thing. Don't think in a linear way where you have to eat the elephant in one bite. Get started with things which you can, you can digest. And it's, it's not fail fast because I hate failing. I do. It's learn fast. So, so that would be the best advice. But, you, but the other part is you can't do nothing. Exactly. Doing nothing is actually not an option at this yeah. point. Not, not with, with what's happening with how AI is accelerating yeah. all, this, all the tech suite in front of us. I was talking to you about this last night. I worked with a... $47 billion brand on material innovation. But we started with process. So process was critical for us because what we wanted to do was change the way we thought about material development, where the materials teams were not in service to design, but they were in partnership with design. So instead of design starting with maybe a design brief, we think about a materials brief and looking at our materials that we've already developed. So reducing a lot of overdevelopment and unnecessary development. Yeah. We found that if we started to put guardrails in front of design on how many materials they could request for, for a, a product, a season, we actually increased adoption rate of materials and we reduced unnecessary development significantly. Mm -hmm. Is this something that Wolverine, um, practices in terms of reducing overdevelopment in the material stage? That's a super good question. So on the one hand, nobody wants to constrain a designer because that's what they're there for. Yeah. On the other hand, unlimited event horizons lead to runaway costs, which none of us can, can manage. So shameless plug for having an innovation division full stop. It's very important. Yeah. But also what's really important is that your innovation division has to be business minded and has to be brand minded. So the zone, instead of saying, we will limit you on the material side to X amount per year, and that's all that we have the calories for. Instead, we said, here's our, here's our force limiter to become a force multiplier. We're going to keep you in the zone of late stage startups, early stage production. Blue Sky, we'll, we'll talk about that at, at some point. And so what we were able to do when we connected to 13 brands who all have needs and desires and they want to have sharp elbows against their competitors, which is great. 
We said, only talk to us about the things you really want to solve for. Our yeah. network, our innovation network is focused on late stage startups, early stage production. We can get you in 12 to 18 months max. And when we do that, when we did that, we recently had a materials fair where within 18 months, we we brought 50, five zero, 50 materials to market that were see now, spec now, because we had we had done the work beyond pilots to say, how do we not only identify a material that you ask, yeah. but bring it to market, go through all the diligence on materials testing, approval, and getting it through the brand and physical properties requirements filters, because we're materials people as well, right? We know what needs to go on a shoe or a tent or a sleeping bag, right? And so we can say, we, we brought in 50 see now spec now materials and 80% of them were sustainable because wow. we listened to what the brands wanted. Now I can think about my ethos and I do believe what Patagonia says that we only have, there's no planet B, yeah. right? But what's really nice is that we actually have the capability of saying, how can we deliver that? And the brands are asking for it because the consumers are asking for it. We're only bringing what they're asking for, yeah. but we're, we're over delivering because we found an innovation sweet spot yeah. and a process, exactly to your point. So you definitely speak my language on process, rigor, measuring, managing, dashboarding and saying what, and because then what you want to do is you want to scale it. Because it's not about landing, it's about scaling. And yeah. that's that's the impact part that I'm super addicted to. Yeah, we could talk for hours. I think we have, let me do one more question. If you were at Shop Talk this year, which many of us were, AI, generative AI was top of mind. How are you looking at generative AI, AI technology, new emerging technologies, and bringing them to the forefront of the brands that you're working with? Generative AI, well, AI, first of all, there's there a lot of meat on that bone. So AI I'm sorry, is- I keep doing that to you. No, it's I? awesome. <laughs> AI is the most influential technology in our lifetimes without a doubt. And yeah. that is hyperbole, but it's not. Because it's the, it's the accelerating force, like the McKinsey report that just came out in yeah. June. It said that AI is not a technology, it's an accelerator. And so it is accelerating all these other digital technologies, what I talked about today is, is there such a thing as the metaverse? Of course. Yes. If the metaverse means a, 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 an environment where you seamlessly go online to offline to offline again, then of course that's coming because that's what we all want and we're driving to it. So in that same way, we're looking at that sort of sweet spot area, late stage startups, early stage production. So what I do is my, my cadence is I start, with, I start the year with CES, then I go to NRF, Shop Talk and find the pointy ends of all those technologies. Yeah. And then, then what is really important for me in my process is I go to South by Southwest. Because yeah. South by gives me the political, business, and media, yes. and, uh, and uh, context of where that's being driven in the greater society. Like I said, getting out of our, get, we're a bubble inside of a bubble, right? Awesome. Getting out of our bubble. And then I can say to the, the brands that I support, pay attention to this, don't need to pay attention to that yet. So if we can bring some focus and context, that's also rigor. Yeah. And then we can say, these are the solution sets. So when they say, I want to solve a problem, like Merrill had a great problem. They said, we want to solve for circularity. Yes. We don't know what to do about all these things, resale, retail, circularity. So we said, okay, well, we have a tool set. We know what's happening out here, the solution providers. So we go in and we say, this part of the process, here's six providers from peer-to-peer -peer return all the way to 
all singing, all dancing, cut apart, zero to landfill, full circularity, leather to leather, rubber to rubber. Yes. And they said, oh, that one. So instead of the innovation division, and, and this is what I refer to as radical productization, instead of an innovation division saying, okay, you pick this one, have fun with it, yeah. we commercialized that idea and took it all the way through to fully commercial site. So that is six websites, US, UK, Canada, resale, take back, logistics, all, all the IT stuff to make sure that we have, they have a, it's called retread.merrill.com. So someone has 20 bucks, gets 20 bucks to send back their Merrills. They never go into landfill and they're sent to a processing center where they're cut up and leather to leather, okay. rubber to rubber, textile to textile. So creating a full service solution like that throws off a million and a half in revenue, bottom line revenue to the company. So when we're generating revenue, when we're solving the brand's problems, we give a tight tool set and we actually deliver on it. That is what where innovation actually, everything I said at the beginning, delivers against the core business and has real impact against the KPIs that the brand, and these are brand KPIs. My ethos, brand KPIs. I mean, we could talk for hours. I, I don't know how many times I said the word wow. Uh, <laughs> so we are definitely going to talk about this, but I think I just wanna leave you with, you can't do nothing. And that's what really stuck for me. Yeah. So where can where can people find you, Barry? Um, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. Okay, me too. Yeah. I'll meet you there. Okay, let's do it. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.